Our Sunday school story this summer, this Sunday, sorry, is um, Jesus calls the disciples and the miraculous catch of fish found in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's also partially found in the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be talking about that in brief. Introduction, long gospel. This world is a place of darkness, which desperately needs God's gracious promises that come to us through the gospel. Yet there is no one worthy to the, for the calling of preaching that word. There is no one sufficient in and of themselves to do this great task of bringing people to repentance and salvation through Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, in his grace and mercy, Jesus calls unworthy people like the unworthy fishermen we see in our account today and fills them with his strength and his promises. They go forth not by their own cunning, not by their own abilities, but they go forth by the word of God and the Lord provides the catch of fish. He works through the preaching of that word to bring many into his kingdom. Through his promise and his power, we also are able to do this great task. The fish are not caught by our wisdom or our cunning, but through Jesus's promises. We begin in Luke chapter 5 with the first two verses. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. This is undoubtedly the second year of Jesus's ministry. Most of the first year of his ministry was, was spent in Judea as well as somewhat in Samaria and um, Nazareth, as, Nazareth as well. We already heard how Jesus left Nazareth because they would not believe, they would not listen, and made his home in Capernaum. Uh, instead. So now he's there preaching the gospel and he finds a far more fertile ground for that gospel, the preaching of his word here in Galilee, than he did in Judea. Because the people wish to hear the word and because there are so many who desire to hear that word, Jesus calls the disciples. So the calling of the disciples here is not only telling us about the disciples, which are going to become so important later on with Jesus's, especially after Jesus's resurrection, as they go forth to, to proclaim that resurrection in the beginning of the early church. But it's also Jesus fulfilling that promise that where people desire to hear his word here, he is sending out people to proclaim that word. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew mentions the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus bringing light to the Gentiles. He quotes Isaiah and directly relates it here to Jesus's preaching in Capernaum. Matthew does not mention the miraculous catch of fish, although he does mention Jesus calling Andrew, Peter, James, and John. Matthew establishes Jesus' identity through the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Uh, Matthew shows who Jesus is because he fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. And therefore, Matthew goes back to that Old Testament prophecy of Jesus preaching the word, bringing the light to those who sit in darkness in the land of Galilee. Luke, however, establishes Jesus' identity through his miracles. He is the one who is able to catch all the fish. And so Luke does not focus so much on the Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament fulfillment, as he focuses on the miracle. Both, however, are concerned with the same thing. The preaching of the word in Galilee, Jesus bringing the word to, to these Gentiles, and also that Jesus is who he claims to be, namely the Messiah, the Son of God. Luke and Matthew may at first appear very different in what they tell us about this 
in this account, but the same themes are seen in both. Both emphasize the desire of the people, the need of the people to hear this word of God, and both emphasize Jesus's response, his delight to fulfill that need in the preaching of the gospel, not only by preaching it by himself, but also by calling more people so that that light of his gospel may, may go out more into the, the region. Luke emphasized, notice in Luke that he emphasizes that the people pressed about to hear the word of God. The word used by Luke emphasizes that it's not it's not just that they're standing around and the sound is coming at them, but they are active in the hearing. They want to hear it and they are listening attentively to what Jesus is telling them. These people are not there just to see the miracles as we find out some of the crowds are later on, but rather they are there because they really want to hear what Jesus has to say and they receive it by faith. The catch of the fish and the call of the disciples in the Gospel of Luke is directly related to these two things. The people are there to hear God's word, Jesus, the word Jesus has uh, to preach. Uh, in the last part of Luke chapter 4, Luke also presents Jesus' necessity to preach. And so in re response to both these things, the necessity that Jesus has to preach that Gospel and the willingness of the crowd to hear by faith, there Jesus calls the disciples so that they too may preach and that word may go out more, even more so to the people. It's not just Jesus preaching the word now, but now we're getting four more people who are called by Jesus and are given what they need to go out and proclaim this word of God. And so where there is this desire for the word, the Lord complies not only by preaching himself, but calling more people in order to go out. And continuing verses 3 and 4, Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Luke does not spend much time on what it was that Jesus was preaching. He's already presented that in the last chapter. So it's not that Jesus' preaching is unimportant. It's not that Luke doesn't care about what he was preaching, but he has already presented that in the last chapter, and his goal in this account is to move on, not so much to focus on the miracle, but to focus on what the miracle means and how Jesus is calling more into that service of the ministry. Luke's emphasis is still on the preaching of the word. It's just that his emphasis now here in this account is how, uh, how Jesus is calling more men to preach that word so it may go out even more into Galilee and the, and the regions around it. Uh, Jesus' command to Peter here, launch in, out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. There's two odd things about this that would have struck Peter and Andrew uh, as odd. They would have known this was odd right away. The first was, this is day now, and the better time for catching fish is at night. So it's the wrong time of day to catch fish. But the second one is, he specifically tells Peter to go out into the deeper parts of the lake. The better place to catch fish is near the shore, not out in, into the depths. Uh, Peter and Andrew would have known this. And as we're going to see in a second, Peter does register his register to Jesus. So this isn't the right place or the right time to fish. Jesus, no doubt, purposely sent them out into the deep. 
one of the reasons would have been just to prove the miracle. Uh, Jesus wanted no doubt that this was a miracle. It's not a, just a coincidence. But he purposely has them fish in the wrong place and at the wrong time so that when they catch fish, they'll understand that it's his word that brought the fish in. And it's not just a coincidence that well, there happened to be a shoal of fish there. The second reason may have been also that the depths represented Galilee itself. As we talked about in Matthew, Galilee is called those who sit in darkness. And Jesus is putting Peter out into the depths of the sea. The shallows of the sea, you might consider Judea, the area around Jerusalem, where God's word was taught already more so than in Galilee. There were more believers. There were more Jews. Uh, it was more heavily focused there. If we were going to pick an area where we would think people would respond better to God's word, we would probably think Judea, where they already know God's word, where there are more Jews, not Galilee, where God's word is taught less and where there are, is, are, are a lot more Gentiles. And so in that sense, Galilee can be compared to the depths of the less likely place to catch fish. And nevertheless, it's into Galilee where Jesus' word does find more fertile ground. Uh, as Matthew said, that God's word goes out into the where people sit in darkness and Jesus calls them to repentance there as well. So Jesus sending Peter out into the depths may have been not only to prove the miracle, but also metaphorically as a re showing that it was to the Gentiles that he was, he was taking the word. Verses 5 and 6. But Simon Peter answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Notice that Peter registers his objection, but does, nevertheless, without being told a second time, as commanded. In this way, Peter is not unlike Jesus himself. You remember what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if this cup can pass from me, but then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus acknowledged to God his Father what he was feeling and how he may have preferred if there was a different way, but, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What Peter says here is very similar. He registers how he's feeling. He registers his objection. I'm not so sure about this. But he doesn't wait for another command from Jesus. But, nevertheless, at your will, he goes and does as God commands. There may have been a little bit of a lack of faith there with Peter, that he didn't just jump right away to doing what God commands. Nevertheless, he's being honest with Jesus. And this is what Jesus wants from us in our prayers. He doesn't want us to, to be dishonest in our prayers uh, just to, to prove our faith to him. Oh, no, I never doubt you, Lord. When we have doubts and concerns, he wants us to bring them to him. Nevertheless, we pray, not our will, but yours be done. Uh, even when we have doubts, we, we trust God's word and jump to do what, what God says, even if we're not so sure it's the right thing. Peter's faith, of course, was not put to shame. He did as the Lord commanded, and the Lord fulfilled his promise. Paul reminds us in Romans 9.33, Behold, I lay in Zion a, a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Peter, or sorry, uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans 9.33 is quoting from Isaiah 28, verse 16. Those who put their trust in the Lord will not be put to shame. When God tells us to do something, when God tells us to go out into the deeps and throw out our nets, those nets are not going to come back empty. When God sends us out to preach his word, that word is not going to come back empty. Those who trust God's word and follow his will 
are not put to shame. The Lord fulfills his promise. The catch of fish here serves a double purpose. The first and most obvious is that it proves that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he is the son of God with power even over the fish. Peter responds to this. He sees the catch of fish, as we're going to hear in a little bit. He immediately recognizes who Jesus is, that this is not just another man, uh, but this is the son of God. This is the Messiah with power from God. And he falls down before him. So the first and most obvious purpose of the miracle is to show to the disciples who Jesus is. But it also serves a secondary purpose. At the beginning of their ministry, Jesus is about to call them into the ministry of discipleship, the ministry of apostleship, the, the ministry of preaching that word themselves. And at the very beginning of that ministry, he teaches them that the key to that ministry is not going to be their power, their knowledge, their abilities. The key is going to be him, his word, and his promise. Peter and Andrew do not catch these fish by their knowledge. In fact, it goes against their knowledge. The place they think is the best place to catch fish that's not where jesus sends them but into the deeps at the wrong time of the day and so also as they go out to preach the word of god it's not going to be accomplished by their knowledge their abilities their cunning it's going to be accomplished by god's promises and by his word god is going to work through that word to catch fish not the strength of the men involved and we remember back to the story of Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. Elijah thought he had a great plan. He thought he'd come up with the perfect way to bring the people of Israel to repentance. I'm going to call down fire from the top of Mount Carmel. And at first it seemed to work. All the people said, the Lord is God. But the next day they forsook Elijah. They went back to the false gods. God appeared to Elijah when he left the day after the fire on Mount, top of Mount Carmel. Elijah ran away into the wilderness. God appeared to him there and he very powerfully showed to Elijah that it's not through miracles like fire coming down from Mount Carmel that people are brought to repentance and faith in Jesus, but by the still quiet voice of God's word, the preaching of the gospel. And so we have the same thing here as well. Verses 7 and 8. So they, that is Peter and Andrew, signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter's words here to Jesus, Depart from me, were correct if you view Jesus through the law. Peter saw who Jesus was in the power of his word, knew himself to be a sinner, and fell down, I am unworthy to be in your presence. Nevertheless, it was still a mistake on Peter's part because he was viewing God through that law, his worthiness, his unworthiness through the law. But he didn't turn to the promises of the gospel to say, nevertheless, forgive my sins. We see the the difference between Peter and between Jacob. And Jacob, when the angel of the Lord came to him, clung to him, knowing full well he was unworthy. Nevertheless, the promises clung to that angel of the Lord. Peter says, depart from me. That was a mistake. We don't want Jesus to depart from us. If Jesus departs from us, we have nothing left. Rather, we recognize our unworthiness in Jesus' presence. Yes, but we still cling to him. Do not depart from me, but forgive me through his gracious promises. That was something that Peter was going to learn later on in life, that even though he's unworthy, nevertheless, he learned how to cling to Jesus through his promises. But at this point, he kind of makes that mistake of viewing Jesus only through the law and forgetting about the gracious promises of the gospel. 
verses 9 through 11. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also, also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. We know from the Gospel of John uh, that these four had already met Jesus and they had already followed him at least partially as disciples. However, it's very evident from this account in Luke and Matthew that after meeting Jesus back in, in near the River Jordan, uh, they had followed him at least for a little while, but had gone back to their business at some point. Not that they had left Jesus, not that they had given up on Jesus, but kind of like we come to church and then go back to our business. So they come and, and heard Jesus and listened to him, but had gone back home to their, their business as well. The big difference here then in Luke and in Matthew versus uh, John when they first meet him is that they now forsake all and follow him. They are now not simply following him temporarily or intermittently, but they have given up everything else and following him is now a full-time service. This is who they are and what they do. Uh, they follow him at his command and at his calling. They leave the nets behind, they leave the boats behind. They no longer have any use of these, since they will no longer be catching fish, but will now be catching men for God. The tools that they use for catching fish are no not much use in catching men. Nevertheless, the new tools they need for fishing of men have already been given to them by Jesus. It's clearly shown in this account that they already have what they need for that catching of men for God. And you can challenge the students, we're going to talk about it here in a second, but you can challenge the students to find in the account, what are those new tools that they're going to need? They don't need boats. They don't need nets anymore. What is it that they need for the catching of men? And how is this already given to them right here in this account? So as they go forth to follow Jesus, they already have the new tools of their new trade. Uh, there are four specific ways in which Jesus has already given them the tools. The first and most obvious is the preaching of the word with which the account begins. Jesus was preaching the word. The crowds were listening. Uh, these four men were listening as well. They receive the word of God. They hear the word of God. Having received the word of God, now they can, they can share it with others. So the most important tool for us as we go forth to preach God's word is that word itself. We need to regularly hear the word of God so that we can share it with others. The second thing is the absolution that Jesus gives to Peter. Peter falls down in fear, depart from me. Jesus does not depart from him, but says to him, do not be afraid. Those words, do not be afraid, is a, is a promise of the forgiveness of sins. Even though you are a sinner, you don't need to be afraid in my presence because I have come to forgive those sins. So Peter does confess his sin in the word, depart from me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus gives him that absolution. This is the center of our ministry. This is what we do as disciples of Jesus is to proclaim the law and the gospel, to proclaim that we are sinners, but Jesus has forgiven us. Confession and absolution, repentance and forgiveness through Jesus. And this is the center of our preaching. And this is, this is given to Peter, the same absolution that Peter receives. He also now can go out and tell others, you are forgiven through Jesus Christ. The third thing Jesus gives them is the calling. Uh, from now on, you will be fishers of men. No one can, from his own, decide to go out and preach God's word. You know, you see that in the Old Testament, that those who were prophets were anointed. Uh, they did not choose the task of themselves, but they were chosen by God and anointed. And so now also, we cannot choose to go out and pro proclaim the word of God, but only those who have received the calling from God. 
this calling comes from God in one of two ways, or in both ways. Uh, we, we talk about two different types of ministry. The first is the private ministry. And every disciple, everyone who has faith in Jesus, everyone who hears God's word has the call to the private ministry, that is to share that same faith and that same message which you have received. To tell other people that joyful news that you are forgiven through Jesus Christ, to, re to, to share that same absolution. We talk about the ministry of the keys. God has given that ministry to proclaim the forgiveness of sins through Jesus, to share that with our friends, to, to every every believer. He, he gives it to the church. And so it, we call it private because it's, it's the calling every one of us has received. Then we have the public ministry. Now, public ministers are those who are called to share God's word on behalf of the church. And so they use the keys and, the, and the, preach the message on behalf of a group of believers rather than simply on behalf of themselves. Now, that is something which needs a special call from God. No one can assume that public ministry in and of themselves, but it must come from God. It often comes from God through the congregation. The congregation asks someone to be the pastor or the teacher, and we recognize that God is working through that congregation. And so these four men receive that public call as well as, as the private call. And the fourth thing that they receive, which is so important for us as we go out to proclaim the good news, is the promises. And the miracle itself is a promise to the apostles, isn't it? The miracle itself demonstrates that if they listen to his word and do as God says, go out in the deep and throw out your nets, the result will be a catch of fish. God promises to be with them through his word. If you trust my word, you will catch men. Not if you trust yourselves and your own abilities and your own cunning. That's not going to cut it. But if you trust my promises, my word, and do as I tell you, then I will work through the preaching of that word and I will bring men into the kingdom. So you can ask the kids, point out to the kids, the apostles received a promise through the miracle. The miracle itself was a promise. And what way have we received the same promises? Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. So there we have the promise that God is with us, especially with us when we go out to share the good news and that he is working through that word. Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. God promises that he is working through the proclamation of the gospel to change men's hearts. Uh, Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is the sword by which we fight Satan and bring men into the kingdom. The parable of the sower and the seed. We spread the seed. God causes it to grow. Uh, the vision of Ezekiel, of the, of the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel preaches the word, and through that word, God acts on the bones to bring them to life. And so he works through us as well, the preaching of the word, to bring men into his kingdom. Jesus' promise is with us. He sends us out to share that message, and he promises that when we share his word, he will work through it to bring men into the kingdom, to catch men for God, just as Peter caught so many fish uh, at God's word. The Lord's blessings on your Sunday school lesson. As always, let me know if you have any questions.